0: This morning we're going to continue our series and it'll be my pleasure to, uh, to share in that series uh, that uh, we're going to talk about what we believe to be one of the greatest fathers of all time in the sense of having great influence and leaving behind a great legacy. And that is Paul the Apostle. And our whole series for this month is going to be Paul the Man. And we're going to look at this great man who was Paul the Apostle. And we're going to look at and talk about lessons that scream up from his life and speak to us today. And today, most importantly, we're going to be talking about what it means to be a good father. Would you join me in a prayer just now, if you will? And let's ask God to help us hear what he has to say as we talk about fathers today. Lord, we pray today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hear us, we pray. We're asking for your help. Today we're looking out at our culture and we're looking at our congregation and we're asking you to help fathers. Whether we're fathers right now or we're going to be, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would help us to become what you want, to do what you wish, to become better at influencing others so that our influence is lasting, real, and positive. We ask your mercy for our faults and failings. We ask your grace for all of our weaknesses. And we ask that through it all, you'll guide us by holding our hands as dads to make us what you want us to be. We ask your help in Jesus' name. And we said, amen. Just one quick note, I'm honored today to have uh, 10 of our 14 grandkids here today, and uh, I'm happy for that, and I congratulate our sons as great dads as well today, so way to go, guys. Uh, this morning, I'm going to talk to you as I shared about Paul the Apostle. I'm going to talk about a spiritual father that's worth imitating, and I want to think with you for just this moment about what I think is perhaps the greatest need in our culture. And the greatest need in the church world today, and I really think that one of those greatest needs is for fathers. Real good fathers. And maybe to illustrate this, I want to share something that I remembered of a great pastor from many years ago shared an experience he had. I believe it was in the 1970s. The pastor's name was John Osteen. I'm sure you've heard the name Osteen before. Uh, the Joel Osteen, the famous national pastor. But uh, this was not Joel. This was his father, John, who was a great man of God who pioneered a, a great church. He describes a vision. He said, one night I was sleeping and I had a dream. And he said, in my dream, I looked out on a landscape that was covered with the most beautiful, gorgeous, intricate buildings I've ever seen," he said. "There were cathedrals, and there were monuments, and there were absolute, beautiful, stunning buildings with gold and silver on them, and and, and, he, and he said they were breathtaking in their beauty, and they were elaborate, and they were everywhere. And he said while I sat, stood there in this dream that I'm having, while I stood admiring the beauty and the grandeur of these buildings, I felt the ground shake underneath me, first once and then more." And as I'm standing there, the ground began to shake and continued to shake. And I watched as the buildings began to crack. And these giant, beautiful cathedrals and elaborate buildings began to crack, shake, and crumble. And one by one, he said, I saw them begin to fall to the ground until by the end of this experience, he said, all of them were laying in ruins and rubble on the ground dust and stones were everywhere and he said I I I gasped in my dream and began to cry and say God what what has happened and he realized as he looked at this dream that what he was seeing was the crumbling of the great pride of the great denominations of church in our country now I'm not saying that as a diss; I'm just telling you his vision. And he said he felt like there would come a day when the great pride of the denominations in our country would be shaken. And he said, as I watched in this dream in my sadness, thinking, why, why, what would happen? Where, what's gonna to happen to the church? And he said, I, I saw a stir underneath some of the rubble and, and the rocks began to move and a young man crawled out from underneath the dust and shook the dust off of himself and smoothed out a platform on the rocks and stood there and he began to preach to the rubble and he said as he preached he turned to fire in my dream and while this fiery young man was preaching he said hundreds and then thousands of others began to crawl out from underneath the rocks and became a congregation and then they would turn to fire and they would begin to preach and he felt like God was speaking to him saying that there was coming a day when the great pride of our denominational churches would not be enough and there would be a great shaking and I'm afraid that we're living in that day. We just took a short vacation to Indiana and Michigan and visited some friends, and, and they didn't really know as much about us as, you know, they don't know a lot about our church, but they found out we pray for churches here in Wisconsin, and, and they immediately had four churches. Oh, Pastor, we, there are so many churches failing in our area. We need pastors. We need people. We need leaders. There's so many great needs, and there's a great need in church today for people to crawl up out of the rubble and to share the message of Jesus, but it's not just church that has needs. I think family has also been shaken in our nation. Family as we know it. Family where we have great granddads, dads, sons, and great grandsons, and they can all grow in the legacy of faith and share and build upon the foundation that their fathers have left them. So many of the foundations we're building on now Are rubble, and they've collapsed. And I believe that just like that vision where he saw preachers would rise up out of the rubble and begin to preach and bring a great revival, my prayer, my absolute prayer for our church and our country is that out of the rubble of broken families, men would arise to be fathers. It doesn't matter what your past has been and how broken you've been and how dusty you are and what an uneven platform you may be standing on. My prayer is that from this moment forward, we will see families that will rise up, men that will rise up to be real fathers, maybe unique in the setting that they've been offered, but real fathers to people and rebuild our family. Paul the Apostle was such a great influencer. Let me read a scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. This is how we'll introduce him as a spiritual father. He's writing to the Corinthians people, the Corinthian people whom he has shared the faith of Jesus with. Without Paul, they would not be Christian. And he wrote some challenging things to them, telling them they really needed to get their act together. So in verse 14, he clarifies. And he said, I did not write these things to you to make you ashamed, 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 14. I did not write things, these things to you to make you ashamed, But to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you have countless guides or teachers is another translation. You have countless guides or teachers in Christ. You do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then be imitators of me. Shortly after Paul the apostle began his travels. As he, looked, as he went through what was called Asia minor, minor, today it is the country of Turkey. As he traveled from city to city and then he moved over to Greece and became famous in preaching in Europe. As he was there, people began to accept the message of Christ and became Christians. Small congregations begin to form and pastors were set over them. Then those pastors and churches begin to grow. And after, shortly after Paul was gone, there were many people that began to rise up and say, we can improve on what he did. And they were right. They begin to build on the foundation that Paul had laid. And Paul referred to these people and said, there's all kinds of people that are going to teach you things. But not many that can be your spiritual father. Today, we have many such things happening in our world. People will rise up quickly to build as they did on Paul, to build on a foundation and say it can be done better and it's all good that people improve. That Christianity can always be relevant and good. But it's also important to remember the fathers of our faith, people like Paul. What these people, they may have been more flashy These teachers that Paul referred to, these guys might have been more flashy. They might have been more gifted. They certainly had better opportunities than he had because they weren't chased out of the city every two weeks and threatened to be killed and put in prison as Paul was persecuted. They might have had many advantages, but they also had some things missing. And this is just to give you a little background on Paul the Apostle, this great man. They were missing, some of them, the personal revelation that Paul had. You know, one person put it this way. The person with an argument is always at the mercy of a person with an experience. Paul had that experience. He had the revelation of Jesus. He could remember the day when he was on his way to Damascus with a handful of arrest warrants to arrest Christians and persecute them. And he met Jesus alive from the dead. Paul said, I met him. I saw him. I know he's alive. The people that traveled to become teachers, lacked that kind of revelation. They lacked the living and lasting example that Paul was. Paul's greatest appeal was not to a principle or a truth or an idea. His greatest appeal was, live like I do. I've lived for Christ. I've suffered for Christ. It's cost me something. As a matter of fact, it cost him everything. And he said, follow my example. I'm not in this for a career. I'm not in this as a job. I'm not in this because I'm getting something out of it. I'm in it because I met this man Jesus, and I want to convince, I want to share that conviction with you. Paul also had a genuine concern for people that went beyond what affected him. Paul would help people, even if it meant telling them hard things. Paul was a spiritual father to people because he shared the good news of Jesus with them and then lived as their example. So they always had his life in mind when they plotted their Christian experience. Today, we still need those spiritual fathers. We need them in the church, but we need them in families. We need dads in families to rise up out of the rubble of what family is today and chart a course. So that kids, even as they grow older, can look off in the distance and say, that's how dad did it. I know what I need to do. I pray that we'll find that today. So today I want to leave you as we leave the example of Paul the Apostle for a moment. I want to talk to you about three important things we can learn from him that will help us be better dads. Three important things. And the first one is simply this. Paul's life was swallowed up by a cause that was much bigger than him. Everyone say a bigger cause. Paul the Apostle was a captivating man. We're preaching about him. He's been in heaven for 2,000 years almost. And we're talking about him as though he's one of our friends. And, and we're reading his writing as though he were here alive today. What made him so captivating? What was it about Paul? I want us to maybe entertain. I, I remember thinking of Father's Day made me think of my dad. And, and you know, uh, one thing my dad was is a pretty good example. He, he took us to church every week, which I admire to this day. He didn't say much about church, but he took us to church. And you could always get out of church if you were in the hospital. <laughs> Otherwise, you were there. I remember distinctly having strep throat and having a fever of about 102 and laying on the pew, sweating, horribly sick, thinking, do I really have to go? So, well, you're not in the hospital. You're in church. Okay, good to go. Today, I admire that. But there was something about dads and men in church that I didn't quite understand as a child. It was clearly communicated in our culture that church and religion was for women and children, but not for men. When I was five or six, I I liked church and I liked singing in church, and I still do. But uh, I remember going into church as a five and six year old. You know, they'd sing these these old hymns, you know, and once in a while, one would be pretty interesting. And I'd, I'd try to sing along and I'd sing. People would turn around and look at you when you're five or six and go, hmm, yeah, he's singing. But when you turned about 10, that's when the singing needed to stop if you were a man. But I'd every now and then sing 10, 12 years old. I'd sing out loud in every head in the congregation. Why is he singing? It's just an unwritten rule: men don't sing in church. Men were also really skilled at sleeping in church. I never could figure it out. We go into church. And we, you know, in, in our church, we would kneel and stand and we'd do those things. And, and I'll never forget, I thought, how can you do it, Dad? How can you be wide awake, saying words, and nine seconds later, when you sit down, you're out? Just pow, gone, just poof. Let's all stand. Sit down. Sound asleep. I thought, I'll try that once as a teenager. I fell asleep, somebody had to shake me. I thought, no, this is never gonna work. But how do these guys do it? I'm making fun of the fact that in my world, religion was for women and for children. And there was an age at which men just disengaged because it just wasn't captivating. This man, Paul, was captivating. This man, Paul, wasn't in it for a job. He wasn't a softy, he wasn't afraid. He wasn't doing this because he couldn't do anything else. This man was captivated by such a great cause that his heart burned with passion and his eyes learned, yearned toward heaven and everybody who saw him thought that is what religion ought to be. I'm here to tell you that if we're going to be a good dad, we need to be captivated by a greater cause than just ourselves and building our own lives We have to find something that's worth committing to that captures our attention. Paul was a captivating person because his heart was captivated by someone and something greater. Here's his story. He wrote in the book of Philippians, which he wrote, by the way, from a prison cell. He wrote specifically to defend himself when he was compared to The Jewish, so called Jewish Christian leaders who took great pride in their achievement in the Jewish religion, and they disdained Paul for his willingness to go to the Gentiles who weren't Jews. Paul said, Though I myself, in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 4, though I myself have reason for confidence in my flesh, If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. His his confidence in the flesh was his advancement in the Jewish religion. He said, I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to the righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I count it as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through the faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him, the power of his resurrection, that I may share his sufferings and become like him in his death, that by any means possible, I might attain the resurrection of the dead. These are words of a man who was successful in his life and career as a jewish scholar he was educated by one of the leading scholars in all of israel who was a member of the jewish sanhedrin certainly paul was being groomed for a seat on that political and powerful organization he had everything going for him and would have been one of the nation's most powerful leaders and he said i threw it all away because i couldn't have both i couldn't pursue that and i couldn't have jesus and Jesus was worth my everything. That was a man captivated. It was a man who was captivating. Man, if we're going to pile, crawl out from the pile of rubble that is around us and be true, dads, our kids, our people around us are going to want to see that there's something greater than just our happiness that we're working for. There's something greater than just our success that we're working for. There's something that captivates My dad's heart, that's greater than everything. That's greater than his own happiness. And therefore, his sacrifices that he makes are not hard for him because he's doing it for a greater cause. Perhaps that cause could be nothing more than your own family. We all know that being a parent costs something. It costs more than diapers and baby food and it costs more than... Bikes and swimming lessons. And it costs more than college or paying for weddings. It can cost giving of yourself. Things that you want to do. But you can give of yourself and you can do those things because Paul said, it's not a loss to me. It was like throwing away a piece of paper compared to what I'm gaining. We can be that if we value our God and our families more than everything else. Paul understood being captivated by something greater. Number two, lesson for dads from Paul is that he knew how to keep his priorities right. Priorities are kind of an interesting word. It's really easy to write about them and it's real easy to talk about them and make sermon notes about them. But Paul's life, the way I look at it, was a series of circles. Circles around his life. The closest of all circle included Jesus and Paul. And his relationship with him. And that circle, Paul didn't compromise. He kept it as his ultimate priority. His relationship with God and Jesus Christ. His his faith in him and what that faith demanded. Now it gets a little blurry because faith in Jesus can't just be a private matter. You know, people always say, well, I have a great faith, but it's a private matter. At some point, private religion has to become public or it's really not religion or faith at all. James' challenge was, show me your faith without any good works. Where is it? Paul knew how to keep Jesus first and to draw that circle of keeping God first. Does that involve church? Absolutely. Is it just church? No, it's more than that. Paul also had a circle of his closest friends and his spiritual family. For us dads, that would be our family. It would be our circle, our next circle. We're not compromising the Jesus circle. That's that's number one. We sang about it this morning. I love that song. You have no rivals. You have no equal. Translated from the Old Testament, you will have no gods before me and no gods beside me. No rival, no equal. But then you've got your family. And that's another circle. And that needs to really be treated as important. And that's where we get a little messy because Because of all the people that we can think, are you good? You're good? Great, good, got to go. I got a lot of things I got to do. And we all do it, but it's really important that we pay attention to that priority because once, as Bobby shared in her encouragement with our offering, once that foundation cracks, it can be really hard to rebuild so Paul knew the, under, the concept of having the priorities. God first, family next. Don't wait for a crisis. You know, don't, don't treat your family like an emergency room. <laughs> treat it like taking care of yourself before you get sick. Closest family, closest friends and spiritual family. Paul had churches and people in his churches that he cared about the Corinthians, the Colossians, the Galatians, all those letters he wrote, he really cared about those churches, that they were a part of his life. But he knew how to keep them in the right place in life. For us, their goals, their work goals, their responsibilities, their things we have to do take take probably the most of our time. But it's important to know where the lines are, when I need to focus on that and when I need to make sure The home fires are burning right. And then the people that Paul had that he really wanted to reach, people like Rome and Spain, I really want to go there. Our distant goals, they're all important. But Paul knew how to keep his priorities in order. And we know this not because it was easy for him, but because he ended well. He ended well. So the question for us as dads and all of us here today is... Are the circles of your life in order? How are you doing with the God circle? How are you doing with your family circle? Your spouse, your children, if you have them. How about your work? What takes the most of your time? Does it overwhelm the rest? Do you put everything else on hold? Friends and hobbies, all important to have a healthy life. But all needing to be in their priority. And I don't think I can tell you exactly where, how, and when this needs to work. It's just not that simple. But I think you know as I'm speaking about it, you'll know that one needs attention. And if you know it, this would be a great day. You're not going to fix it in a day. But it would be a great day to make a decision on Father's Day to say, there's some things I'm going to adjust. It's never too late to start. the last thing I want to talk about from Paul the Apostle's life that can help us to be a good dad. And and this is an interesting one. Paul was willing to fade away and let others shine. Paul was willing to fade away and let others shine. What we would consider probably Paul's greatest days weren't so great for him. Letters like letters to the Philippians, Titus, Second Timothy, maybe some others, were written because they were dictated to a scribe because he was in chains in a prison. He spent a lot of his life as a prisoner and as he got older in prison, his own record says that people don't even come to see me anymore. They're all ashamed of me because I'm a prisoner and they don't want to be associated with Paul the prisoner. He said, "But I rejoice." He said, "I'm in prison here in the Roman palace or near the Roman palace and he said all kinds of people now are preaching about Jesus all throughout the palace. He said many of them are doing it just to spite me. But he said it doesn't bother me. I'm rejoicing because they're talking about Jesus. I don't care how, why, or what. They're talking about Jesus. I'm a success." really Paul you're a success in prison in a chain that's not a very nice retirement where's your legacy where's your hope where are your dreams Paul's hopes and his dreams were alive in people like Timothy and Titus in people like the children being born to families of churches in Ephesus Paul's hopes and dreams were, were vibrantly alive in the people that he committed his faith to. And he was willing to fade away as long as he felt like I contributed to someone else's success. John the Baptist had a very, is famous for a very wonderful phrase. John the Baptist had great crowds of people in the days of Jesus when Jesus was beginning It said that all of Jerusalem and Judea, those are thousands of people, left their homes to go and hear John speak in the wilderness of Judea. And that wilderness is, maybe you'll go with us to Israel and see it, but it's a rock wilderness in the middle of nowhere with nothing but rock in a tiny little creek called the Jordan River. And John stood there and there were thousands of people listening to him scold them and challenge them. But one day the disciples of John came and said, Master, Rabbi, uh, we're losing people. Our crowds are shrinking, we're in trouble. And he said, what's the problem? Well, the problem is they're leaving us and they're going to Jesus. And John smiled and said, that's no problem. He must increase, I must decrease. We have grandfathers here, a great grandfather or two, and many fathers. As we grow older, we're all gonna experience that. We're all gonna experience realizing that some of our own hopes and dreams may never be fulfilled on this planet. But maybe our hopes can live in our kids and our grandkids and not just the biological ones, but the people that we were able to influence. Maybe we can leave some faith and some legacy like Paul the apostle did in other people. And maybe we can look back one day and say, you know, it was worth it. I put it this way, as we grow older as fathers, we must learn to celebrate the success of those we care about and realize that our present is with them and our future is in heaven. Our future is in heaven. I'll close with this story. It's a true story, and I don't have the years in my notes, but at least a couple of decades ago, if not more, there were several young missionaries that were trained in university and then volunteered for an organization called New Tribes Mission. And they were a pretty radical missionary organization. They were sending people to South America, to the Amazon jungle basin, to minister to Indian tribes who had never had contact with any of the outside world much less heard about jesus well and these people volunteered and uh, several of them in their preparing and in their going realized that their their task was to reach a certain group of indians in the bolivian part of the jungle that were very dangerous and they their reputation was they killed anybody they came in contact with and these missionaries went and eventually several of them were killed now years later all these people are christians not unlike paul the apostle they gave their lives at first and then the gospel took seed later and grew one of these great men his name was jim elliott and i hope his words can inspire us as dad not to be a missionary but not to mourn the things we give up as a father Jim Elliot was challenged as he was the college student, a great athlete, a great scholar, had a great future for him. One of his family or friends said, Jim, really? Are you really gonna do this? You're gonna throw away that future? You're gonna throw away your hopes, all the thousands of dollars your parents spent on college education, and you're gonna go reach some crazy Indian tribe in the jungle that might kill you? Really? that seem foolish here was his response it's become a quote to many Christians he is no fool Jim replied who gives what he can never keep to gain what he could never lose dads if we want to be a good dad be willing to give what you can never keep to gain what you can never lose would you stand with me this morning Paul the apostle was such a man. I pray that in our small families and in our small worlds, we could be those men. Let's pray. Lord, we ask you today to help us and to encourage us and to guide us forward. We pray not only for just the dads here in this place, but for all of us as your people, that we would become spiritual guides and leaders that would be trustworthy to follow that we would be good dads for our families and children and that you would help us to be what you want us to be. We pray your blessing on everyone here today in Jesus' name. And with our heads bowed today, I want to ask perhaps you're here and you just know that you need to reach out and welcome Jesus into your life to receive him as your Savior and your Lord. Like Paul, in your world, you want a Savior to come and be the lord of your life if that describes you and you've not welcomed jesus in a personal way in your life would you raise your hand to say please pray with me i want to have jesus in my life thank you others have said yes they've raised their hands just say yes how many others would say yes i want jesus in my life don't be shy with you we're not going to embarrass you i just want to give you the opportunity So we're going to pray a prayer together. I'll lead you in the prayer. It's not magical, but it can be a wonderful step of an open door for Christ to come into your life. Pray this word, these words after me. If you can mean them, all of us, would you join me? Say, dear Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross to take away my sin. I believe you rose from the dead. Lord Jesus, I give you my life. Come into my heart. Forgive all of my sins. And make me right with God. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, I pray that you bless all those who prayed, especially those who made this connection. For the very first time we pray your blessing on everyone now in jesus name and we all said amen